When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. And we've got a topic today that uh, is a listener suggestion. And, um, man, you know what? Um, first, I better, uh, I guess I better read out some of the cautions that, uh, that this listener wanted us to read. Um, his name is, uh, Mark Bandoni. He's from Coolidge, Arizona. Uh, wanted a, a show about the, uh, the Mazda Miata. Great and idea. Very good idea. I think, uh, it's a topic that's long overdue on this show. And um, basically, from, uh, from what this note says here, he wants me to tell the listeners that, um, well, they're girly cars, they're slow, probably Osama bin Laden's car of choice. I think Hitler drove one, too. Um, the car is actually, it lowers your testosterone level when you drive it. It's just a terrible, terrible automobile. It's really, no one should buy one. Yeah, really. that's the, uh, that's the, the, uh, the, the, the thrust of this letter here. Yeah, because Hitler was really big into Miatas in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, especially the Gen 1 and Gen 2 cars. Just stay away. They're just not even worth it. <laughs> Mark Mark wants to make sure that no one ever buys one ever again. Where are you going with this? Okay. The real story on this is that uh, the, the title of this email is Mazda Miata Disinformation Campaign. Uh, <laughs> he wants us to tell everybody that so that he can gather up all the parts because... He absolutely loves his Mazda Miata, mm. and uh, parts are becoming difficult to find. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So he says, uh, you know, honestly, he's, he's well, here, you know, I'll just read the email okay. about that. All right. So Mark says, uh, first off, I'd like to say I love your podcast, listen to him at work, help a 12-hour day go by nice and fast. That's a long day. That's a long All right. day. So he uh, currently owns a 1990 uh, Gen 1 edition, I guess, and his, his wife owns a 95M edition. Oh, two Miatas um, in the family. Well, his sister also owns a 93, and he talked one of his cousins into picking up a 91 not long ago. Wow, okay. So, uh, you know, yeah. this is a guy that knows his stuff with Miatas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, when he first started getting into Miatas, there there's pretty negative stigma with them, and some of that stuff that I mentioned, not all of it, of course, it's just that a lot of people thought they were kind of like, um, I'll just say it, they were a chick car. You know, people thought they were girly cars. They were uh, the car of a hairdresser, as he puts it. Uh, something that not a lot of uh, manly men would want to drive, right? Yeah, people uh, the people sort of saw them as a bit effeminate. Exactly. And uh, But he's noticed that, you know, the stigma has started to kind of wear off as more and more people start to discover what 
as he says it, awesome and capable these little cars are. Mm-hmm. And I completely, completely agree with this email. And I've noticed and I've watched that stigma drop from these cars um, in the past. I mean, I've, I've seen like what it was and the way they were portrayed in, uh, you know, in, I guess, pop culture, I suppose. Sure. And then now, now what we're seeing on the racetrack, what we're seeing on the streets, uh, they're a fantastic little package, really. I mean, they're, they're really, really nice cars, but like he said, the, the older versions and some of the parts are becoming harder and harder to find because people do have this interest in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, he's excited about them because it's kind of like the resurgence of the British Roadster, you know, they were, they were like a, kind of a type of vehicle that had gone away for so long. And then finally came back. I mean, last time we saw something very similar to it. And I, I mean, I'm sure there are other examples, but like the MG Midget, mm-hmm. um, and that, that, that type of vehicle and some of the, uh, the Alfa Romeo Spiders and, you know, the cars like that, that were the two seat roadsters that were lightweight, small front engine, somewhat yeah. practical. I mean, you know, they, they got decent mileage, not a whole lot of, uh, cargo area or anything like that, but, um, you know, they were a great car to drive around in and they were fun to drive. Mm-hmm. And um, he just wants to mention, you know, like the spec series that, that they've got now, you know, that you can build your own Mazda Miata spec car. Um, one of the things that he mentions here is that there's a, a hardtop requirement for the series. And because of that, hardtops are becoming extremely difficult to find. In fact, sometimes a hardtop will be as much as a used Miata car, the entire car. Ouch. I know. And he sent some photos of uh, his car, which he calls uh, he calls it the Little Bandit. He's named his car the Little Bandit, <laughs> and uh, it's actually a really cool-looking white Miata. It's, again, it's a 1990. He swapped out a 1.6-liter motor for a more powerful 1.8-liter motor, and uh, of course, there's a limited slip differential and a turbocharger that he's added. He's got about 200 horsepower in this car that weighs about 2,400 pounds. Um, it's got 270,000 miles on it, and uh, looks fantastic. I mean, some great photos that he sent. And um, really, I mean, basically, he wanted us to talk about Mazda Miatas for the day. So I think that's what we'll do today. Mm-hmm. This that's- is a I mean, an excellent email, really. I mean, it was, yeah. it was funny, too. And, and, you know, the stuff that we let off with, he said, just get creative with it. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> but um, maybe saying it was Hitler's car is a little bit too much. Well, you know, uh, the, the history might not quite be on our side there, but... There is uh, quite a lot of stuff that we could say about the Mazda Miata. First off, uh, you guys are both right about the early, I guess, pop culture conceptions of the Miata. To me, that's strange because when you look at why the Miata came about, uh, it's, it's fairly obvious that Mazda perceived a hole in the market when they started with the um the 1990 MX-5 Miata. Mm-hmm. They had, um, let's see, Triumph had pu- gave up um, with MGB uh, in back well, had, at 80. They had the Spitfire. Right, 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 right. The um, uh, the last Fiat 124 Spider was just sold to someone in 85 as a, get this, Pininfarina Azura. Two <laughs> Zs, two Rs. Uh so really at this time, and this is according to Edmonds, uh, the only four-cylinder front-engine classic two-seat roadster that you could get in the U.S. was the Alfa Romeo Spider. Yeah, I guess. I mean, okay, at the time, I know I know what you're saying. There were a bunch of them along the way. You mentioned the Triumph Spitfire. Yeah. You mentioned the MG, MGB from MG, of course. Yeah. Uh, the Fiat, the Alfa Romeo. There was also a car called the Lotus Elan 
that I think some people like to forget along the way. It's a, it was it was not a bad looking car. It wasn't great. It wasn't anything like the current Lotus cars we see today. But right. um, it was a pretty cool little car. So just there was a, a hole in the market, like you said, and uh, and Mazda decided that they're going to do something to to bring this back. And that was around well, it was in the late eighties. That's when they started planning. Yeah, they planned in the late eighties, and around nineteen eighty nine, uh, they actually came to market with something that was the uh, the first generation. Mazda Miata, and it was sold as a 1990 model year car. So, mm-hmm. you know, in 1989, you could buy a 1990 model year. And um, I think that some of the, this uh, this idea that it wasn't really a strong car, it wasn't really something that a lot of, uh, you know, like track... Uh, track-loving individuals would, would like it for, you know, like for a, a track day car, I mean. Sure. Um, it just wasn't all that powerful. Yeah. Um, before we go on, though, I'm sorry I'm getting a little out of order here, man, but I've got a I've got a little anecdote, uh, a bit of a legend or a rumor about the founding All right. the, or the inspiration for the Miata. You I'd ready? love to hear it. Yeah, okay. go ahead. So in 1979, according to the story, a journalist named Bob Hall was working for Automotive News, and Mazda's managing director asked Bob, hey, what type of cars should Mazda be building? And Hall said, a small open two-seater. And so this might not have led directly to the Miata, but uh, here's what did happen. Bob Hall went to work for Mazda two years later in California, and he headed up the Miata development team. Very interesting. So uh, he did have he had a, he had a lot more into this than uh, than people really know. Yeah. So it's now, of course, people say, you know, we can't put this all on Mr. Hall. We can't say that he was the one man responsible uh, for the Miata, but uh, it is quite possible that he had a huge hand in the success because what Mazda's aiming for with the Miata in this in this early period is an affordable sports car. And I think with the emphasis on affordable, uh, I think that is where we see some of the early complaints about power. I mean it wasn't it wasn't the most powerful no, car. No, but they hit the nail right on the head with the design of this thing. I mean people were excited about this car. I, re- I remember I was in Okay, I'm, I'm I'm an old guy. I was in high school. I was in high school at this time. I graduated in '89. So in high school, you can imagine kind of the uh, the excitement around this car when it was about ready to come out. Because I'm reading all the auto magazines at the time. You know, yeah. that's what I did. Yeah. And um, you know, so I was always excited about picking up the newest edition on the uh, on the shelf there because you didn't go online to get your information. And uh, I know, so old. <laughs> so um, you know, you'd be excited about seeing the photos of you know the the. Uh, I guess the uh, the concept sketches and everything all along mm-hmm. the way, and then of course you know then it started showing up at the it was at the auto show, like oh that looks like a nice car. I hope they stick with that design, and they did. Yeah. They stuck with the design, and I'm sure there were some other renditions that you know didn't quite make it. So this thing debuted in 1989 at the Chicago Auto Show, um, and of course people just went crazy for it. They thought this was a great idea. You know, it's a it's a lightweight two seat roadster. Front engine, rear wheel drive, which uh-huh. is uh, it's critical, I guess, for you know the small sports car to have rear wheel drive. You know, we've we've talked about minis and things like that that have front wheel drive, and those are fun to drive as well. Yeah. But for a an open two seat roadster design like this, that's trying to get that throwback feel of the uh, the old British roadsters, this is definitely something they needed the rear wheel drive layout, and it was something that you know no one was doing at the time. Let's also emphasize. Just take a second here to emphasize how tiny. The Mazda Miata is. I mean, we're talking about um, an 89.2 inch wheelbase. Uh, it's about 155.2 inches overall. So at this time, it's 16 inches shorter 
than Mazda's smallest sedan of the year of that year. So what's like thirteen feet long or something like that? It's, <laughs> a, it's a it's a relative it's a twelve feet long. I don't know what it yeah. is. I, I can't do the 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 off the top. Yeah, map, exactly. But, but it sounds like uh, you know this is something that, that it's like the shot in the arm that that Mazda needed at the time. Right, and I want to talk about the weight because you mentioned that, and we should really emphasize that, Scott. Uh, when it comes out, it's just a, a little bit over two thousand one hundred pounds. Yeah, it was, it was actually a really lightweight package. Now it was a, it came with um, a one point six or one point eight liter engine, and mm-hmm. that's uh, this is for the Gen One uh, Miata, which they call the NA, and then of course Gen Two is NB, and then Gen Three is NC. Uh, so you'll hear it referred to as you know the current. Miatas is NC sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's all that means, really. Yeah. Um, so Gen 1, yeah, again, it was 2,070 pounds. So that's about 940 kilograms. And um, it progressively gained weight as it went up in uh, in, in <laughs> stages. Now, we know why that happens. We've talked about this so many times. Yeah. All the uh, all the mandatory things that are... That safety are, regulations. Every man. mandated bit of safety um, structure that has to go into this thing, whether it's uh, you know airbags or if mm-hmm. it's uh, you know improving the the side impact, you know the the uh, the bars on the door, um, all sure. that type of stuff. It adds weight, adds weight every year. So um, I don't think I'm I'm letting anything out here when I say that you know Gen Two is you know two thousand three hundred forty eight pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a two hundred and seventy eight pound increase in eight years because that was in nineteen ninety eight. And then in, uh, let's see, Gen 3, which is 2005 to current date, mm-hmm. um, man, the weight goes way up. It's 2,450 to 2,542 pounds, somewhere in there. That's a range, depending yeah. on what engine option you select. And over the original weight, Ben, this thing has gained 472 pounds since the, the first generation. So you get a Gen 1, it's, it's 472 pounds lighter to begin with than a Gen 3. Yeah, and the uh, the engine does uh, get more powerful as we go through this, but I would argue with the addition of the weight, I don't know how much bigger. Can I say one thing here? Yes. I'm I'm excited about this, and I really want to talk about it. Okay, I'm going to wait till the very end of this podcast. Oh, that's right. Okay, there's there's some amazing stuff going on with this, and the weight really doesn't it doesn't have much of a factor when you talk about what we're going to talk about at the end of this podcast. Yeah, we're, uh, we're setting it up. For yeah, the there's there's some fantastic stuff happening out there. So um, I I promise we'll get to it. Yeah, but just just for right now, there's a, uh, for people to know during the uh, third generation, excuse me, uh, there was a two, there's, there is a 2.0 liter uh, four-cylinder. And then for the second generation, think we're at 1.8 liters. So we've seen it increase. Yeah, it was, uh, I think the first and second, it was 1.6 or 1.8 for, for Gen 1 and Gen 2. Okay. And then Gen 3, you've got an option between a 1.8 and a 2.0. So, you know, it does go up. And the 2-liter engine, uh, it's pretty strong. It's an inline-four engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's rated differently for the manual and the automatic. Now, it's um, 167 horsepower for the 5-speed. And for the automatic, it's 158 horsepower. So, you know, the horsepower is way up there. It's still a strong car. Uh, yeah. These things these things are definitely pulling their weight on the road. And in the beginning, to go back to 1990, Mazda sold almost 36,000 mm-hmm. during that first year. Uh, so, you know, those aren't like Honda Civic or Honda Accord numbers. No. But, uh, no, no, no. They, they are... Um, they are they are pretty good. If uh, Edmonds projects that if Mazda could have made a hundred thousand of these vehicles, then every one of them would have been sold that year. 
So uh, I think that's true, and you know what? I think a lot of people now would really appreciate it if they had made a hundred thousand, because <laughs> um, you know, like uh, you know, like our our listener who called in about there wrote in about this. Yeah, he wants to find all the parts he can. I've got a neighbor who drives one of these that would love to find some parts. He's got a, a Gen One um, mm-hmm. edition as well. I don't know how many miles that thing's got on. It's been in several accidents. Um, really? Yeah, and and it's held up. It's really held up. He's actually put the work into it to you know to, to keep it on the road, and uh, it looks great. It's a fantastic car. It's British Racing Green. You know the uh, the dark the green special edition. Uh, not special edition. Okay. No, but um, I don't think there's anything this guy's going to do to get rid of that car. He's going to hang on to it forever. It seems. Yeah, somebody's going to inherit it, huh? Mm, I think so. Yeah. So the reason I asked about the uh, special edition, I guess you mean just the color is the British Racing Green. Yes. Yeah. Just the color. because. Uh, the one of the first Miata special editions, which we should probably pepper out, pepper throughout this podcast, was the um, was the one that had a coat of British racing green, uh, which goes back, of course, to British racing cars. Right? Mm-hmm. Mazda only built four thousand of these. Uh, they had tan leather upholstery, um, wooden shift knob. Every, everything was just a little bit of a step up cosmetically interior. You know what? You're making me second-guess myself. I'm going to have to walk over to his house tonight, right after this podcast. Yeah. I'm going to have to walk over and just ask him if I can take a look around and see if it is one of these special edition cars. Because it has the right color paint, has the right color interior. I don't know if he has a wooden shift knob and wheel uh, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it looks like stainless steel sill plates. Hmm, interesting. Okay, I'll check this out because... Uh, I, I could see why he's hanging on to it if that's the case. I mean, otherwise, it's a great commuter car. I see him in it all the time. He just gets back and forth to work from it. Yeah. Weekend car. Kids drive it occasionally. Uh, it seems like a decent he car. He lets his kids drive it? He does. He does. High school kids, college-age kids, and uh, and they seem to have a lot of fun in it. Well, that's really cool, man. That's uh, there's Okay, well, I'm getting sidetracked because I'm thinking about how cool it would be to drive one of these. Uh, so we've talked about the weight, and we've talked about how... Um, We've talked about how successful this is. In 1991, uh, Mazda just decides to do um, an if-it-ain't-broke-don't-fix-it strategy. Mm-hmm. And they only change a couple things by adding them to the options, really. they You can get a four-speed automatic transmission. That's one of the biggest ones. They add anti-lock brakes as an option. Uh, and as we said, the, uh, the special edition uh, came out. Now... Special editions are kind of a long-running uh, Miata, rather, uh, specialty, right? Yeah, they've had quite a few all the way through, uh, well, through present day, as a matter of fact. There have been so many of these different things. Um, man, they've got super light editions. They've got matte and black special editions. Um, just all kinds of uh, all kinds of add-ons and and performance options. Mazda Speed made one. There's a Mazda Speed edition. There's anniversary editions mm-hmm. uh, because you know this thing's getting old. I mean, we've we've talked about um, you know the, the, from right from the beginning, 1990 through 98 was Generation One, 98 through 2005 was Generation Two. So somewhere in there, in Generation Two becomes a 10 year anniversary edition. Uh, there's been a, a 20 year anniversary edition mm-hmm. uh, within within this. Um, uh, the third year, uh, third generation rather. Yeah. So you know it's it's uh, it's it's a line that's been around for a long time, highly successful. They know that you know to sell these special edition cars, you know they they just do a little bit of you know trickery with them, you know like with the uh, and I don't mean tricking the the consumers, I mean right. you know they're they're giving it to their in house tuning division, like you know the Mazda Speed division, and saying. Why don't you guys have fun with this one? And we're going to make 400 of these cars, and uh, we're going to label them. We're going to we're going to uh, 
you know, put a uh, badge somewhere on the car that says this is one of 400 and uh, and we're going to charge a little bit more for it, but it's going to be exclusive. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and it's it's tweaked, I think, is a good word for it, because you'll see stuff like a, a new or exclusive paint coat. Uh, they're big on... The wooden shift knobs. That's a big thing for the special editions. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of trim work and stuff. And yeah, you know, like yeah, the yeah. wooden wheel and stuff like that. It's some of its throwback stuff. You know that they want to uh, to emulate that look of the uh, the old roadsters again. Mm-hmm. I, I totally understand that. You know, one thing that it, um, they've done really, really exceptionally well along the way, Ben. And I we I think we need to point this out is the soft top. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, they've got a hard top version. They've got a soft top version. Ooh. And the soft top, you know, I don't know if you've ever wrestled with a soft top on a car before. 
They are. They can be difficult. Yeah. Can be extremely difficult. The uh, the Mazda Miata version, though, however, the soft top operation is extremely easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't know how easy it was in the early days. I would think that it's close to this because I've seen my neighbor put his up and down occasionally. Um, but the current edition, the uh, the the third generation soft top in, you can open and close this thing from the driver's seat in less than five seconds. That's amazing. It's really amazing. I mean, it's that easy. There's just one latch. Uh, it's a center location right above the rear view mirror. You push a release button, open the latch, and push it back with your right arm. And right from the driver's seat, you can fold it right back in place and lock it in a position down below you. And then the exact same motion to, or the reverse of the motion to bring it back up again. And it can be done, you know, sitting in, sitting in a stoplight. You don't have to get out of the car. You don't have to wrestle with anything. A single latch, which is a, a huge benefit. I mean, I guess in a small car, two latches wouldn't mind. Wouldn't, sure. wouldn't matter really. Um, but I don't know if you've ever really. I've I've fought with Jeep Wrangler soft tops before, and in the early days, like uh, you know, not early, early, but I mean, like in the early nineties. And yeah. terribly difficult to put up and down. Oh, brother, tell me about it. not to be, not to be too overly dramatic here, but I feel like I've been personally betrayed by a couple of soft tops. <laughs> Uh, one was in a friend's car yeah. and it was, it was kind of his car that his father, his father bought it. We're in high school, right? And, uh, he had, he had bought this car clearly so that he could drive it. And, you know, it was his son's car for high school or whatever. Yeah. So I remain today, uh, in infamy in a, a place called Eagles Landing, Georgia, uh, because, I was the one who was blamed, falsely, listeners, falsely blamed for breaking a soft top. That was, I tell you, honestly, Scott, it was already broken. I just, it bothered, it bothered me extensively. Now, to be fair, some of these cars have much larger soft top, of course. And Absolutely. there's a, there's more mechanism underneath the soft top that has to be uh, folded and, and mm-hmm. you know, coaxed in the right direction. And, All uh, soft tops are not Yeah, there's, there's some swearing involved that has to happen <laughs> right. and uh, and does happen. And uh, I just found the uh, the Wrangler tops from the early 90s to be extremely difficult. I know they're much easier now. They're not, yeah. they're not quite as simple, though, as the Mazda Miata top. And... You know, again, there's not much there, but I, I did have that, uh, I had that MG for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was a relatively easy top to, to, uh, to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't sound quite as easy as this one because there were actually pieces that you had to take apart. Just, uh, it was a different system, but about the same amount of top, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just, it, they've made it so right in this case. And if you haven't seen it operate, I mean, you can go online and watch people do this. It's so simple. It's kind of one of those things that if that's one thing that's kind of holding you back from buying one of these, don't let it. I mean, it's, it's that easy. Now, make sure that you already have a hard or a soft top uh, available that works when you buy a Miata, if you buy one, because as we mentioned earlier, the parts can be a bear. Scott, one stat that I want to put in here for the third generation, one of my favorite stats is always the zero to 60. Oh, sure. Uh, so the Miata, the third gen Miata, Miata gets uh, 7.5 seconds, zero to 60. That's not bad. That's not bad. It's not flying. It's it's not flying because uh, the Mazda Speed Miata, which a variant from 2004, was able to take its turbocharged 1.8 liter and get zero to 60 in a little bit less, hmm. mid okay. mid six seconds. So the two the two liter standard version is a little bit slower than the Mazda Speed 1.8 liter turbo. Yeah, got it. Okay, yeah. understood. Which makes sense. Yeah, I understand. And uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of the. Uh, 
Now, the weight we've already talked about, right? Is right. Two seats. Uh, the, the cargo area, that's got to be a, uh, a down spot for some people. That it's only got five, the, the current version is 5.3 cubic feet of, of storage space. Mm-hmm. Very, very little cargo area. Yeah. Uh, the mileage is decent, not, not fantastic, which I, I don't know. I don't know how to think about this. Um, around 21 city, 28 highway. Um, not terrible, not fantastic. I mean, yeah. you'd expect a little more from a lightweight car, but it sounds like they're kind of going more for, uh, for, Performance. You know, performance in this yeah. case, yeah, which I understand. Um, and the MSRP on this thing, as as um, as you'll find, is right around twenty seven and a half thousand. So um, a bit pricey if you're just going to buy something like this for a toy. If you're yeah. going to buy it for a commuter car, sounds like it's not a bad idea. You know, it mm-hmm. seems, seems decent for some people. I don't know if every it's everybody's you know cup of tea really because you can't really have more than one person with you. You can't carry a lot of things. Right. Uh, it may leave you, uh, you know, in some cases it may leave you kind of stuck without the right vehicle for the right time. You know, the right thing that you're doing. Sure, this is not necessarily an all-purpose vehicle, but it's a. I think it's a great vehicle for what it is, especially if you think again, going back to the words affordable sports car. Uh, they nailed it. Yeah, fantastic second car is what I would say this is. <laughs> really, I, mean, I think it's a, I think it's a good choice for a weekend car, sometimes commuter, and a second car, of course. Oh, I meant to ask you something about the weekend, actually. Sure. Okay, so I have a little bit of free time. I'll just be working on uh, some stuff for our new website, carstuffshow.com, and I realized that I have some time to watch a couple of movies, but... Uh-huh. Oh, it's been yeah. so long since I had some free time. What? What? Do you have any picks for me? Well, let me tell you, it's been a long time since we've recommended any films as well, and and I'm excited about this because we're we're back to uh, kind of our Netflix movie club. Ugh, finally, and, right? And I have found a, uh, a reasonable movie. Now it's not for everybody. Okay. Okay. I gotta I gotta point that out. It's rated R. Um, it's from 1977. It's called Joyride, and uh, this movie it's 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 a drama. It's starring Desi Arnaz Jr. Robert Carradine, who is uh, David Carradine's half brother, I guess, um, you know, Kung yeah, Fu Theater, Kung David, Fu. and uh, Anne Lockhart and Melanie Griffith, who is really young in this thing. Oh wow, nineteen seventy-seven okay. again. So, um, oh, and get this, I was watching the trailer, and I think it was Casey Kasem who was narrating the trailer no because way. he used to do that movie thing, you know, before the guy with the uh, the uh, deep deep voice before you know, the, the inner uh, world. Exactly. Before that guy, Casey Kasem did a lot of movie trailers, and uh, so he's narrating this one. Uh, but it's a, about a group of really bored teenagers who leave the Los Angeles area for an Alaskan adventure, and uh, you know they're headed up the uh, up to work on the Alaska pipeline, and because you know they find out that it's really difficult and dangerous labor, and the money isn't all that great, so they start to look for, as they say, other thrills um, in the uh, in the Alaskan wilderness, and they so they embark on this life of crime. And um, now they got the law that's you know always close behind them. They're in hot pursuit. Um, You know, you know the the uh, tagline I think is they went north to get rich and to be free, Um, but you know they end up in this this life of crime thing, and it it becomes almost like a uh, like a lot of people said almost like a Bonnie and Clyde type story. Oh, I see. So they're on a spree, robbing places. But it's but it's more than just one couple. It's like a a couple of couples in in this thing. So kind of interesting. Now, now why I would pick this is because, you know, I mentioned that the uh, the law is always really on them. And there's a lot of cars in this movie that are fantastic cars. There are some uh, some old cars, of course, you know, pre pre-1977. There's a 73 Plymouth Roadrunner, a 57 Pontiac Super Chief, a 62 Ford Galaxy 500, uh, a lot of mid-1960s Impalas, 
And get this, Ben. One of them drives a 1962 Pontiac ambulance. It looks like <laughs> one of those, a 62 ambulance that, you know, those look like those giant old 62 hearse cars. Right, yeah. They're amazing cars. And, and there's a lot of screen time for that one. So it's in, in this thing quite a bit. Um, anyways, it's just a, it, it, and it has this like real Bonnie and Clyde feel, and it, and it's just about you know kids trying to get away from the, the big city and and do something on their own. But this uh, this crime aspect comes in. It's it's a fascinating story. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and now let's go back because we have to travel back to 2008. Scott, I'm really excited to talk about some of the current developments 
in Mazda, and I know in Mazda Miatas, and I know you are too. But first, we should probably talk about the big 2008 facelift, right? Yeah, sure, we can do that. There was uh, there were some significant changes that that came around in 2008, and uh, you know that's that's just after um, after the third generation was launched. Yeah, about uh, three years after. Yeah, that's kind of strange because three years after, you know, they they said you know here's the NC and, and it's all new. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's our, our latest. And by the way, MX5 is what they call this thing throughout. So in the, yeah, even even the Gen One versions of the MX5. Gen 2 is MX-5. Uh, we just hear MX-5 now a lot in the marketing and stuff, you know, from Mazda. So that's a little bit of confusion early, you know, that you may may pick up along the way. Um, but again, three years after they, they released the NC, which is this third generation, they, they gave it this this big facelift so that they restyled the, the whole front end to kind of closely match what Mazda was currently doing. And a lot of automakers do that. They, yeah. try, they try to give it styling cues that, that you can pick out on the road and say, I can tell from a, a, a long distance away that that's a um, that's a Mazda vehicle. Yeah, some kind of commonalities toward the fleet. So mm-hmm. again, as you could say, they all in some way represent a unified idea. Exactly. I mean, you think about like Dodge Ram pickups; they have that crosshair grill in the front. You think about um, you know the Mazda Miatas; they've got this uh, the, the, that certain style, that that certain look that you know the front end you can just pick out as being a Mazda car. Sure. Yeah. Without even necessarily knowing. What type of Mazda it is? We uh, this this is important to talk about this facelift because for a lot of people who are not too familiar with the history of Mazdas, it's very easy to think that the third generation began in 2008 because that's when you would see the large visual changes, mm-hmm. um, stuff like a larger grill, right? Uh, the there's uh, the soft top touring and grand touring models have a mesh grill bordered by a chrome frame. Uh, just so everybody knows, I'm stealing from Scott's excellent notes on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little bit too detailed. I don't know if we really need to do that, but uh, you know, the Roadster has a different mesh grill, and then mm. of course there's new headlights and fog lights. That's important because you know that's a completely different look. Mm. Uh, restyled side skirts, rear bumper, and the tail lights even. Mm-hmm. Um, changes went inside as well, right? Yeah, there's a restyled instrument panel um, with different graphics. For the gauges, uh, the engine redline, interesting here, was raised by 500 uh, revolutions per minute, um, at least in the manual shift. Mm-hmm. Up to uh, redline's now at 7,200 RPM, which is that's really high. Yeah, they raised the stakes. Not bad. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fine-tuned the suspension and gearbox so they would shift a little bit more smoothly. Which leads us, I don't know, Scott. Is it time? Is it time for us well, to talk about? The future? I think so because now it gets a little confusing, but you know they're uh, they're talking about a fourth generation of Miata, and that's not going to come as a surprise to anybody, I don't think, because this has been out there for a while. Right. You know, car stuff listeners are pretty savvy about all this stuff. Um, you know, one thing can I can I just before we do this, I want to I want to say one last word about the third gen before we move on to the fourth gen because we're we're getting there and we're nearing the end here. Right on. Um, I've been reading a lot of reviews about the third gen Miata. There's a, there are a lot of people that have driven it, a lot of, uh, you know, journalists, automotive journalists, and people who do blogs and things like that. Uh, well, Autoblog did a test drive of the 2013 Mazda Miata MX-5. And, uh, the guy's name is Jeffrey Ross, the guy that wrote this, uh, this write-up. And it seems to mirror just about everything that I've read anywhere else about the MX-5 Miata. It seems like people really, truly love driving this car. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess there's maybe four or five points or five or six points here that um, he brought up that I think, you know, I just, I'm going to summarize this real quick, but um, I think everybody else feels the same way. It's fun to drive. It's a well-balanced car. I mean, it's, it's really, it's got really good power. Not a lot of power, but good power. 
Right. It's, it's there when you need it. Um, it's easy to operate the soft top like we talked about, five seconds, you know, open to close or close to open. Um, decent fuel economy that we mentioned, you know, 21 and 28. Mm-hmm. Um, that's even with spirited driving, as he mentioned. You know, it wasn't <laughs> hard to hit those numbers. Um, really small, and oh, this is one thing that may be a downside to some people. See, I like that it's small, but he says it's really small, but it also feels small on the road because you're looking around at, you know, SUV bumpers everywhere when you look to your left or right. Um, right, yeah, so that's it's, true. It's a tiny feel. It's not It's not great for a primary driver, but, you know, eh, it's it's fun car to drive. Maybe get it out in the country somewhere and really let it go. Yeah. And, um, What's the last one? Well, I think you know, the current Miata doesn't mo- offer a lot of the options that are available on some of the other entry-level cars. So, you know, a lot of times people will get into a Miata and, and look around and say, like, well, this is pretty basic. I don't know if I really want to pay this for, for this type of car. Mm-hmm. And not realizing that, you know, it's, it's a fun-to-drive car. It's really meant to be like this throwback roadster-type design. They've, they've included what they have to for federal mandates and, you know, what's required, you know, all the safety features and everything. Sure. However, it doesn't have, like, you know, the, I'm, I'm going to make something up here, Ben. Maybe it does now, but um, it doesn't have inboard, you know, onboard navigation systems, and it doesn't have right. all the bells and whistles and Heated everything else. Seats. Yeah, it doesn't have heated and cooled seats. Maybe it has heated seats. I don't know. It, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure of the, of the entire option list on this thing, but you're going to find that it's a little bit more, and I, I hate to call it bare bones, but a little bit more scaled back than some of the other cars in its class, maybe. Yeah, but that's part of the aesthetic, well, too, and it always has been. That is, and, and that's the other thing, is that he said it's it's like a raw and refreshing feeling when you're driving this, because you're not worried about all this other stuff that's going on. Mm. You're not trying to do all this other all this other stuff. Right. You're not trying to fast-forward on your onboard uh, TV screen, right? Precisely. You're you're driving the car, and it feels good, and it feels right, and that's what, that's what Mazda Miata is all about. Let me also point out something we didn't mention. These are agile little cars, too. Mm-hmm. They handle pretty well, and yeah. people don't talk about that as much as they should. No, no, no. And it's that size and weight and all that that has to come into it in exactly. power. Exactly. Uh, I know Mini kind of has the uh, the market cornered on, you know, calling their, their handling go-kart handling and whiptastic and all that stuff that they, <laughs> that they use. But um, Miata's handle really well also. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you can watch that at any track event. You can upgrade suspension components. You can upgrade all kinds of parts, which is kind of leading into what we're talking about in a minute, but not yet. Okay. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's do, before we get to, now that's the very last thing, right? Fourth uh, gen. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about the uh, fourth gen, the uh, 2014, allegedly, maybe 2015, right? Yeah, we are hearing 2015 now. Yeah, and that's kind of an update because for a while people were saying 2014. Now you can find a lot of, find a lot of talk about the fourth gen, all, everywhere on the internet, some of it contradictory. Sure, and you can find some renderings of the thing. You can you can right. see what it's supposed to look like. You mm-hmm. know what they what they think it's going to look like. Um, it's it's an exciting design. I'll tell you that it's cool. And it may even be lighter than the current generation. Have you been looking at that? I did not see any weight stats, but that's cool. That's well, good. this is still you know uh, okay to let the cat out of the bag. Whenever we talk about a vehicle before it comes out, there's always this huge asterisk, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't know what may or may not make the final cut, but word on the street is that they're going to be cutting 200 to 300 pounds from the third generation. Not bad. Not bad at all. And if that happens, the, if that happens, it could 
affect the driving too if they keep the same engines. Oh, of course. I don't know if they're going to keep the same engines. I don't or think not. they I, will. I doubt if they would. I mean, I don't know why they would uh, why they wouldn't completely update that as well. But mm. just to uh, to kind of let people know what's going on. I mean, the you know it's rumored that it was going to come out in late 2013, and then it was kind of bumped to early 2014. Right. And now it's 2015. So it gets moved back a bit. It's happening. It's just when is it going to happen? And the, and the thing is that this is uh, the fourth gen Miata is being co developed with Alfa Romeo. And yep. uh, what's exciting about this is now Mazda is going to have its own version. There's going to be the uh, you know the Mazda MX-5, which I guess would be the I, I suppose would be the ND platform. Yeah. Um. I or ND ND designation. Mm-hmm. And Alpha Alpha Romeo is also going to have a car that they're going to base on this, which is going to be called the Alpha Romeo Spider. So the Alpha Romeo is bringing back the Spider. Mazda is going to have its Miata, the 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 latest MX-5 Miata. And uh, they're both going to have a similar vehicle. They're going to be priced similarly. I mean, I mm-hmm. think the Miata is estimated around twenty five thousand, uh, possibly a little more. The Alfa Romeo is, I think, going to be around thirty, maybe just a little bit more. Kind of depends on the packages that you get. You know, the sure. upgrades. Yeah. Uh, but watch for that Alfa Romeo to come out. And that's not, by the way, that is not the four C that we're seeing. There's a uh, an Alfa Romeo four C. Has been kind of going around in the blogosphere that I guess that a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, it's different. Though. It's a different car. There's an Alfa Romeo Spider that's coming as well, and uh, I've seen some. Well, I've shown you uh, a picture of this thing. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's a good looking car. It's got you know the, uh, I mean, very much the uh, Miata size. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just a little more rounded, a little more muscular looking, and I think the front end, you know, is, is clearly Alfa. I mean, it's got that, uh, that distinctive, that triangular yeah, the distinctive grill. triangular grille and the badging, of course, and different mm-hmm. headlights and everything. So it's, uh, it's its own design. Oh, and I have, I do have some information. I apologize, guys. It took me a second to get there. I do have some information or some speculation about the fourth generation engine. Uh, what what I've been seeing is now I don't want to predict something and be totally wrong, so this is speculative. Uh, that I've been seeing that the MX-5 will get a smaller four-cylinder engine. Check this out, Scott. One point three liters, but turbocharged. One point three turbo, and you know what? I'm I'm not going to let that scare me away one bit because I know what they do with turbo engines now. Mm-hmm. That's going to be one powerful one point three liter engine. Right. So they think it'll still hit the one. The 160-ish horsepower that the current larger engine has. Uh-oh. You said 160? 167. Oh, man. I don't know, Ben. Okay. That's, you know, I understand that's the current horsepower rating and everything, but uh, I don't know. I feel like they're missing the mark on that. I mean, you think so? I... I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's enough. Maybe it's it's plenty in this car. Maybe it feels great in this car. Maybe there's enough torque. Maybe they whatever. should raise the stakes. Uh, when you said 167, I'll tell you, my my eyebrows went up because I thought it was going to be closer to 200. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that they're claiming to make that to to keep that equivalent. You yeah. know, uh, but as we are about to find out, that's not the end of the story. Well, and lighter weight too. Okay, yeah. so what's the uh, what's the what's the end of the story? Scott, right before you and I started recording, you uh, hipped me to a, a, a little something, right? Hmm, yeah, there's a um, there's something in the works here, um, and and this is uh, this. Are you talking about what people are doing to the older Miatas? Yes. Yeah. Now this is uh, this is an interesting twist on this whole thing. Now I th- I'm sure a lot of people have heard of these, and and if you haven't, this is going to blow your mind when you see it or when you when you watch one of these things in action. Now, I think a lot of people have heard of something called Monster Miatas before. <laughs> and Monster right. Miatas incorporate a, uh, a V8, um, a, well, a V8 swap, engine swap, 
into a Mazda Miata with very minimal exterior, uh, I guess, adaptations. You know, you're able to, you're able to swap in these, these giant V8s. Now, Monster Miata happens to do it with, um, a Ford V8. They use a five liter engine from a Fox body Mustang donor car. Okay. And it's strong cars, you know, and you can go to, uh, com. And, uh, and find out any of the information about that, all the information. Um, I found a, a newer kind of version of this thing that maybe is just even more dramatic, I suppose. Oh, yeah? Um, more dramatic than, than the uh, Monster Miata. Flying Miata. And, uh, and it's actually flying with, uh, you know, the apostrophe at the end. So you can go to flyingmiata.com. And what they specialize, specialize in is making Miatas accelerate faster, corner harder, and stop shorter. And they do that with a Corvette engine, Ben. What? They drop a Corvette V8, uh, the LS3 engine from a, a relatively new, like a, maybe a 2011 Corvette, and they'll put that into a stock Mazda Miata for you. Wow, and that intro sounds reminds me of the opening <laughs> for the bio, the six million dollar man. It's pretty similar. Now, I mean, I know the Monster Miata. That's kind of the first and the original, and they did it, and they you know did it well, mm-hmm. and they still do it. Uh, but this one, I mean. It's incredible. They, they can get the horsepower up to 400, I think it's 430 for the standard version, mm-hmm. 480 if you have a what they call a hot cam kit, and all the way up to 525 horsepower wow. with, with other upgrades. So, you know, the 167 that we were talking about in the current version, compare that with 525 horsepower that you can get out of this uh, this LS3-powered um, you know, Miata, which is amazing. I mean, again, Corvette-powered Miatas, the 0 to 60 times, what did you say for for the uh, the, the current version, the NC? Oh, it's the NC? Uh, it's round. It's a little over seven and a half. Seven and I a think half. It's about seven and a half. All yeah. right. How would you like to do zero to sixty in the upper three second range? That's. I would love to do that. Yeah. Well, it will cost you though, Ben, because this is uh, this is uh, the uh, the downside of this I whole knew thing. It. All right, lay it on me. Forty five thousand dollars for an entire ground up conversion. Now that's uh, that's the engine, the brakes, the uh, transmission, all that has to be updated. Of course, the brakes you can't do it without that. So mm-hmm. um, all that stuff has to be done. You ship you ship in the car, you buy the engine kit and everything else that goes along with it. They do they put it in for you. They do all the work. It's buttoned up, nice and tight. Everything's perfect, but it's going to cost you about forty five grand. In addition to giving them the donor car. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not everything, because no. that doesn't count. But you know what? I, this is so cool. I mean, it's like you're building your own, and I, I'm going to say it, a modern-day Shelby Cobra. I mean, that's similar in uh, you know the, the weight to horsepower range. And uh, okay. It, okay. It, it's pretty amazing what they're doing. I mean, and, and for those of you that are worried about weight, get this. It only adds 200 additional pounds of weight to the entire car. So that's that's an extremely low, um, you know, difference. I guess you know the, what your uh, the trade off is really yeah. low, uh, two hundred additional pounds, but you're gaining uh, three hundred and fifty horsepower. You know, which makes me think that if the fourth gen really does manage to cut two to three hundred pounds off of the third gen, then you could do that conversion and not really change the total weight. It would still be third gen weight. Oh, that's that's a good point, Ben. That'd probably be more expensive. What? Well, how how awesome would that be to have? Uh, you know, the the, the Gen Four Miata mm-hmm. plus this LS3 conversion from flying Miata, and uh, and just absolutely blow everything on the road away because there's nothing that's going to keep up with this. I mean, that's like in the uh, that's like a, you're going to have Ferrari performance in in a Mazda Miata. You're yeah. going to you're going to be able to just stop on anything on the road. I can tell you that. I mean, there's and no one will unless they hear it. 
unless they hear it coming or they know of your car, mm-hmm. there's going to be no outward signs that that's in there. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. You can be a sleeper car. But you know what? They will hear it. That's going to be a deep, throaty sound in They will Las definitely Vieta. hear it. Yeah. It'll, it'll be like that thing where you see somebody who has a voice that completely doesn't sound like it should from the person it looks like <laughs> yeah. it. Understood, understood. So, again, Monster Miata, Flying Miata, mm-hmm. your choice. And I'm sure there's a couple others out there that are doing it. People probably doing it in their own garage. Yeah. Um, but, man, there's some, uh, there's some amazing upgrade kits that you can do with these things. And if you have a Mazda Miata that you have upgraded or just maintained, uh, then send us a picture. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank Mark again for such an excellent email. I can always tell it's a really good email when, Scott, when you come in with some notes on it and a couple <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah, I had added a few things on my own. Yeah, and uh, we, we hope that you enjoyed this. It looks like the future is bright for the Miata, and we're excited uh, to see what actually comes out with this fourth generation, especially with that Alfa Romeo. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to get on the road here, and we hope to hear from you soon. You can write to us on Facebook, drop us a tweet on Twitter, or even send us a good old-fashioned email. Our address is carstuffatdiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.